0: Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary, where we chat about surviving sexual abuse in the church. And I'm Kelly, your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. And in today's episode, I want to talk about the different ways that we view our own sexual abuse over time, and how our understanding of our own abuse will grow over time and even change over time. Because when you talk about growing, uh, you kind of are building on something and your beliefs are getting stronger. But I think that in understanding the sexual abuse that happened to each of us, our own understanding of it, can actually be night and day from when we first experience the abuse to say decades later, when we finally realize, hey, something is not right with me and I'm having all these issues with what happened to me as a child. Sometimes we may not even know that the issues are a result of what happened to us as children, but as we kind of delve into that, we start to get therapy and seek help or just even do our own kind of work and reading books and doing some online Google searches and all that good stuff. We start to just kind of develop a new understanding of our sexual abuse and one of the reasons I think it's super important to talk about this is because you see a lot, especially in religious circles, of survivors being maybe not full on blamed for their own sexual abuse, but at least survivors being told that they were part of the problem and that they need to accept part of the blame. And we see that a lot, and maybe you've experienced that yourself. Thankfully, in my case, um, I didn't have anybody on the outside telling me That it was my fault that I was sexually abused. I mean, maybe some people thought some things, Um, you never know. But thankfully, no one ever told me, Hey, Kelly, you need to repent for the part you played in your own abuse. But hear me when I say, and if you've experienced this, you know it better than anybody this happens in religious communities and it happens a lot more than we want to believe that it does. And This actually is something that I've been thinking about a lot since the last two episodes of Survivor Sanctuary when I chatted with Justin Woodbury of Sheltered But Not Protected Um, because Justin actually told us in his episodes about how the church that he was in when he was abused blamed him for the sexual abuse and basically it was like it's 50 percent your fault you were a a child it's 50 percent your fault and it's 50 percent the fault of the person who sexually abused you Uh, but if you're saying it's 50 50 fault i don't know how you could believe it was sexual abuse at all And so uh, following Justin's story and seeing some of the things that he posts on his page on Facebook, he's gotten comments from different people who heard about his story of abuse many years ago and are having a hard time kind of putting that version of abuse, I guess you could say, with the one now where Justin is very outspoken against sexual abuse in the church. And it's just one of the many, many examples that we have, and we've talked to a lot of sexual abuse survivors here on the podcast, um, just one of many examples of the church and religious people putting the blame on survivors or at least saying that they played a part. There are even um, materials for you know, biblical counseling of people who are sexually abused. And in those materials, it's basically demands to repent for your part in your own abuse for the sins that you committed. So even if you haven't experienced people from the outside telling you that it was your fault that you were sexually abused, I think that the vast majority of us as survivors of sexual abuse actually blame ourselves. So if you don't have somebody on the outside blaming you, you're definitely blaming yourself on the inside for many, many years. And that's why I say that our understanding of our own abuse is gonna change over time. I'll give you an example from my own life. When I was six years old and I was sexually abused, I literally believed that it was my fault. Not only did I believe it was my fault, I believed that it was my idea. Now, as a six-year-old who did not have a sexual thought in her mind, I know now as an adult that I never would have thought up, oh, hey, we should participate in some sexual activity right now, adult person, who I admire as a family member, basically. Um, That's something that never would have crossed my mind. But in my understanding as a child, I thought that I was at fault. And I would say at least partly, but honestly, I felt like I was maybe not exactly the instigator of the sexual abuse, but that I was the one that kept it going, and I I just remember always having this picture in my head of going up the stairs toward my room one of the times that I was sexually abused, hand-in-hand hand with my abuser. He had started sexually abusing me once again in our family's living room, and then decided to move upstairs, probably for more privacy. and the picture that was always in my mind after that point was that I took him by the hand and was leading him upstairs when now as an adult, I know that that was not the reality. The reality was that I was being led up the stairs like a lamb to the slaughter, you know, by this person who wanted to use me for his own sexual appetites. And that understanding was not a part of my mind, it was not a part of my thought process for so many years. And I'm talking into adulthood, at least till I was 18 years old. I always had this awful feeling about the abuse and it was that feeling of I've done something horrible it was not something horrible has been done to me. So even if you've never had somebody tell you hey your sexual abuse is your own fault, I think that the vast majority of survivors of childhood sexual abuse and I've never met one who wasn't this way, uh, the vast majority feel complicit in their own abuse. And so that's why I say that our understanding of abuse is going to change over time because when we're younger and we're kind of right in that situation, you know, it's so close to us that it's hard to see uh, what's actually happening. And then our brains aren't fully developed yet either. And so it's very easy to be manipulated by abusers. And I think that when it comes to sexual abuse and and people who are child predators and, and pedophiles, I think that there is so much skill at trapping people and making their victims believe that it was their idea. I really think that if in just like psychopaths in general or sociopaths, people who are predators, they're very skilled people. It's how they get away with what they do for so long. And this skill of grooming and mind gaming is very successful at making a victim believe that their own abuse was their idea or at least was their fault. And it's so annoying when it's such a complex thing and there's so much psychology and stuff that you kind of have to understand about abusers and about predators. And So many people in religious circles do not understand it. And because Justin posted this online on his Facebook page, I feel okay with talking about this. It wasn't something that was private, but he recently posted some comments that he received years ago when he first started speaking out and he first started sheltered but not protected. And it was from an old college buddy, I think. And this guy was basically... Um, leaving comments on his blog and explaining all of the reasons that he couldn't consider Justin to be a victim. And first of all, um, this guy was a pastor, he might still be a pastor. But at the time that he was making these comments, he was a pastor and is telling Justin like, hey, I just can't ever think of you as a victim and I'm never going to because when you first told me about your abuse, you told a very different story. And I just have to like deeply roll my eyes, but also fervently pray that this man never, ever, ever tries to counsel or help a person who's been sexually abused. And if it weren't so infuriating, it would almost be laughable that this pastor is basing his opinions of Justin's victimhood on what Justin told him when he was a college student very, very shortly after the abuse ended. The first problem with this is that when someone has just come out of an abusive situation, when someone has just been sexually abused and gotten away from their abuser, their thoughts and opinions about that abuse are going to be so much different than they are years later, years down the road when they've had a chance to actually learn about what happened to them and to begin the healing process as well. Again, going back to my own story, it took me until I was in my 30s to fully acknowledge that what happened to me was sexual abuse. And I was abused when I was six years old. So three decades later, just about, I was still struggling with the idea that, you know, this wasn't your fault. And yeah, I think that in theory, I knew that it was true at this point, although as a teenager, I didn't, you you know, like years, nine years, 10 years removed from my abuse, I still, when people said, oh, sexual abuse isn't your fault, you know, if they said it, if I watched shows that talked about it or episodes of Oprah as really happened in my story, I would say, yeah, I know what you're saying here. But if you really knew my story, you would think differently. And I've had survivors of abuse tell me the same thing as well. I I get it. You know, it's not your fault because you're a kid. But if you really knew my story, like part of this is my fault. And it happens so often and people believe it so often. But let me tell you, It is almost always in the beginning of someone's abuse, or at least even if it's a long time after the abuse, it's before anybody has ever gotten very specific help and counseling for the abuse that they went through, that they believe this lie, that you are somehow culpable for your own abuse, that you are somehow complicit in what happened to you. So I was shocked when I'm reading these comments. I was actually very angry and everything I wanted to write, I knew would get me put in Facebook jail. So I had to really edit my response to this post of Justin's, but it made me so angry. Like here is a man who is a pastor and he is taking his time to write this dissertation of comments on Justin's blog saying how I can never take you seriously as a quote victim because I know what it was really. All about because you know, when you were 19 or 20 in college, you confessed that it was your sin that <laughs> just like okay first of all of course you know that's an easier way to deal with abuse whether it's because somebody else has told us that we're at fault or whether it's our own mind trying to make sense of the abuse it is so much easier really it, it this is the truth for many people it is so much easier to believe that you somehow had a hand in your own abuse because that takes away the just horrible, horrible sense of powerlessness and vulnerability that comes with admitting that, no, I was victimized. And nobody likes to feel that way. Despite everybody who wants to be loud and obnoxious online and say that people love playing the victim, human beings actually really don't love that in general. Our minds do a lot to try and protect us from that feeling of powerlessness. And it, it kind of helps us take back our power a little bit, at least to our young, undeveloped brains when we think okay hey yeah maybe I had something to do with this and then I wasn't victimized and I wasn't taken advantage of by somebody that I should have been able to trust and it wasn't just you know this horrible abusive awful thing that happened to me if I can take some of the blame then I can also rid myself of some of those feelings of powerlessness and it does help us survive it does you know it's a it's a survival mechanism and it's just kind of wired into us and I think that that's why a lot of us believe that we're complicit in our our own abuse, mainly for a couple of reasons. And that is that the kind of psychopathy that can cause a person to sexually abuse an innocent child is the kind that is very skilled at grooming a child into believing, or even sometimes adults into believing, that the abuse they've experienced was not only their fault, but it was actually their idea. So it's totally normal that as a 19, 20, 21-year-old in college, when you've been told by your pastor that you're at least 49 to 50% at fault for a an adult woman in her mid thirties, grooming and sexually abusing you beginning when you were like 15, 16 years old, you've been told that first of all, that it's your fault and that you need to repent. And so that's the line you've been fed and that's what you've accepted. So when you go and tell other people about this situation and what you went through, if you're telling them about your experience of abuse without actually having any understanding of what it is that you went through in the first place, No one should be using those statements or those beliefs or whatever you said to them or thought at the time, nobody should be using that against you years later to say you have no right to call yourself a victim and be advocating. And of course, this guy who I'm referring to, the pastor that was making these comments on Justin's blog was also saying, well, whatever, what you're doing now is gonna hurt the church, whether that's your purpose or not. So of course, it's all about don't hurt the name of the church, don't speak out about sexual abuse in the church because that's going to that's gonna hurt the name of the church. And then with a side of, and plus, you told me when you were 19 or 20 that the abuse was actually your fault and that you had repented and asked God to forgive you. It's like, of course he repented and asked God to forgive him because first of all, he was very young. And second of all, his pastor told him it was his fault. That you should have just fled and run away and not let this happen to you, even though you were a child and it was somebody that you trusted and and who manipulated you and groomed you. You should have just run away. And because you didn't, that makes you 49 to 50% at fault in this whole scenario. It's just ridiculous. That is completely ridiculous. And for a grown man to not be able to understand, like this is years later that this pastor is is saying these things to Justin, like years later that he's able to say, like, I just can't take you seriously as a victim because I know that you confessed. Well, you know what? If somebody had talked to me when I was 15 years old, which was nine years after my abuse, which was way fewer years than when Justin was telling people it was his fault, if anybody had asked me when I was 15 or 16 and I had been truthful, I would have told them the same thing. Not that I had repented, I guess, of, of my Sin, but that I was complicit, that I liked it or somehow wanted it or somehow, you know, was the one leading my abuser up the stairs instead of the other way around. It's because we don't understand the extent of what we have experienced when we're that close to it. And we don't understand the extent of what we have experienced because our brains aren't fully developed. And I'll add to that, we don't understand what we've experienced because the people who are older and wiser and should know better are telling us really stupid things like this was your fault and you share in the blame. You know, you're a 16, 17 year old kid and some almost 40 year old woman decides that she wants to sexually abuse you and it was definitely your fault and definitely your idea, even though you never would have thought anything along these lines ever. It's completely ridiculous that people don't understand the dynamics of abuse, especially if they're going to pastor. And I would say that about, and just referring back to Justin's story once again, that his pastor should have known better, definitely should have known better. And then I would say that his friend, quote friend, who is now a pastor should understand it as well. I think that there's no excuse for, for not understanding a little bit about the dynamics of abuse if you are going to be shepherding flocks of people who are going to experience abuse at some point in their lives, one in four, one in six, 20 to 25% of your congregation. If 20 to 25% of your congregation will experience sexual abuse at some point in their lives and something like 33% will experience any kind of abuse, you know what? You need to know. You need to know more about abuse. And I would say that that's on pastors and religious leaders, you know what? Read a book, go to a class, do something and stop telling abuse victims that abuse is their own fault Uh, because we already believe that it's our own fault in so many cases. And we actually need spiritual leaders who can say, hey, this is not your fault. You did not cause this. The person who groomed you and molested you or sexually assaulted you when you were a teenager, like that was on them. You know, they decided to do this because they are wicked people who want to prey on those more vulnerable than them to satisfy some sick need or desire in themselves. And that's not on you. That's the kind of religious leader that we need in our lives as survivors of sexual abuse. But what we're seeing instead is so many religious leaders buying into this total BS that sexual abuse is the fault of the victim. And not only are they buying into it, but they're actually perpetuating that idea when they talk to victims and say, hey, you know, we need for you to repent of the part you played in this. We need you to repent because, you know, it takes two to tango, not with sexual abuse. No, it doesn't. It takes one predator doing what predators do and entrapping people. And if you've ever, you know, blamed yourself for your own sexual abuse, like, none of my anger in this episode is directed at you or at that kind of very normal reaction to abuse. I'm not angry necessarily that we blame ourselves because I know that it's very normal for us to do that. It is a defense mechanism. It's a survival skill. It's our brain's way of processing information that it does not understand and does not know what to do with. So it's very normal if you've thought, Part of this abuse is my fault. You know, I was the one taking my abuser by the hands and leading him up the stairs to a bedroom so he could continue to abuse me. You know, that's, I'm not angry that as survivors, we think things like that. What angers me, there are so many people in this world and in our churches, no less, who have a really crappy understanding of abuse, which, okay, I would say the average person, I'm not gonna blame the average person for not knowing a lot about abuse, but it's not something everybody goes around studying. But as pastors, yes you need to know. In this day and age, you need to know what abuse is. You need to know the dynamics and you need to find out details on the dynamics of abuse from someone who is not walking around victim blaming and, you know, saying that people who are sexually abused are just sinful and they played a part in their own, their own abuse. Like that's not helpful to anyone at this point. And I know we have people in all kind of all phases of their healing listening to this podcast. So there may be some people, you started your healing process a long time ago, and you're totally on board with, hey, none of this was my fault. And you're kind of free from those feelings. And, and that's awesome. But I also know that some of the people who listen to this podcast might not be there yet. Maybe you're kind of in the earlier stages of your healing from sexual abuse and kind of just beginning to learn. And I'll tell you, in my early to mid-30s, when I finally admitted, hey, maybe all these issues in my life like, are happening because of this thing that happened to me when I was a kid. Maybe this is the truth. Um, when I finally started admitting that, it was still really difficult for me to kind of grasp that whole like, no, you were just victimized by somebody who wanted to harm you. You were victimized by a predator and that was like i just remember that feeling when i first really acknowledged that yeah i was actually a victim it's hard to deal with sometimes it's hard to walk around and i say walk around because i just kind of recall um the first couple of weeks after that first session with a therapist and he had given me some books to read and I started reading them and I just saw myself in the pages I I saw literally me and I said this person is describing my entire life to me in these pages and that was so tough to deal with you know I was like shaky I was very weepy for weeks I just felt numb it was just this weird numbness and it was intense it was kind of that just realization like oh my gosh, I was sexually abused as a kid. And I've been saying for years, I've been like minimizing it. Oh, somebody messed with me. Oh, this, oh, that. But in my own mind, as I've mentioned here a couple of times, I was still self-blaming. I was still thinking, well, I can't say I had nothing to do. I was six years old and it was still a struggle for me to be able to accept that I didn't have anything to do with my own abuse. It is very deep. The messages that we receive when we're sexually abused. The messages that that abuse sends to us and the vast majority of the time, it's before our brains are completely developed. So we not only believe those messages, but a lot of of what we believe about everything in life is built off of those faulty messages. So when you start to heal from sexual abuse, it's kind of like when the Christmas lights get all Tangled together and it takes you like 97,000 hours to untangle them. It's kind of like that because you start with a faulty belief with a brain that's not developed and then pretty much everything's built on top of that. And the faulty belief is that you were somehow responsible for your own abuse. It's one of the beliefs that causes the absolute most harm to sexual abuse victims because it makes you feel even more worthless than the abuse itself Because deep down, you know, like you didn't want this horrid, disgusting thing to happen to you, but it did happen to you. And if you're like hell bent on accepting some of the responsibility for it, then you have to grapple with, well, what kind of a horrible, disgusting person am I that I would willingly participate in something so awful? It's just, it's a mess. It is a jumbled up, disgusting mess and unraveling that takes a while, but it's not helpful when people from the outside give their little two cents on your status as a victim. That's just ridiculous to me. It's, it's completely, completely ridiculous. So I'll say this to you. Uh, maybe you're not a victim of abuse. Like maybe you're an advocate or you're just somebody who loves somebody who is and you're just learning about abuse here, which I would say good for you. That's pretty awesome. But I would say this, never use a sexual abuse victims' early beliefs about their own abuse against them. Because I think in Justin's case and in a lot of people's cases, this is what's happening. Oh, well, you came to me and you told me that you had sinned with this woman. And regardless of the fact that you'd known her since you were a small child and she had been grooming you since you were 13 years old and did horrible things that no adult should ever do. But you told me that, you know, back in the day that you had repented for your part in this. So I just can't believe you're a victim. Give me a freaking break. Never hold and abuse victims faulty beliefs from before they started the healing process against them. Because we all believe, all of us believe at some point in our abuse that it was our fault. And I think that when you look at like, oh, a teenage boy being abused because of a lot of people's creepy views on how men should view sexual activity like you should just be grateful to get it from whoever you can get it from Um, our, our society is seriously messed up with that just seriously messed up But I think it makes it even more difficult for people to process like what sexual abuse actually is and, and all the dynamics when you add that sort of cultural weirdness into it, like, oh, you should just be grateful that you got to experience sexual activity with anyone. And it's just, it's gross. And that kind of just complicates everything. But if you think it only happens to teenagers, um, if you think it only happens to people who are a little bit older when they're abused, not true at all. There are mothers. Who have rejected their own children after their children were abused because they believe that the child had something to do with it. Oh, you enticed your father into doing this to you, or you know, you should have done this or you should have done that. And the blame is put on this small child's shoulders for quote, their part, unquote, in their own abuse. It's just disgusting, but it's not something that's only happening with teenagers. It's something that happens with children as well. And if people don't come outright and blame kids for getting themselves abused, then they definitely pile on the guilt for kids being upset about the fact that they were abused and children not being able to just forgive their perpetrator. Oh, give Uncle Johnny a hug and let bygones be bygones and then go to the same church service with him and have no problem with it. Maybe you're not blaming those kids for their own abuse, but you are kind of blaming them for the fact that they can't just get over it and move on and let the perpetrator back into the fold and stop causing problems for him. It's just ridiculous. And and the church has this so backward, so backward. I I do want to acknowledge, yes, there are some people in ministry who have actually learned something about abuse. They've studied some about abuse. And man, I am so encouraged every time I hear stories about anybody who says, hey, you were abused. Um, I was recently reading an article about Nagme. Abedini, if you remember uh, the story, and I, I don't have time to get into the whole thing, but uh, her husband was a prisoner in Iran, and Franklin Graham worked really hard to try and get him freed. And in the process of Nagme trying to help her husband be freed, she confided in a pastor at a church that her husband had been physically abusing her for their entire marriage, kicking her, hitting her, strangling her, like awful stuff. And I was just shocked when i read that it was a pastor that actually told her Nagme, you were being abused you're being, that's abuse like that's not you know just some little thing that happened that's that's an abusive marriage and so i think that that was pretty awesome i think this pastor actually had some experience in psychology or in counseling but he told her that and how amazing would it be if way 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 more pastors got on board with this and were educated enough to be able to tell somebody, this was not your fault. This is abuse. That's what this is. Hey, Justin, this woman who was more than twice your age and a trusted family friend was not having a relationship with you She was abusing you. You were groomed and you were abused. Hey, let's get you some help. Let's get you a counselor. Let's see how they can help you work through this. Instead of the whole like, hey, it's 50% your fault, 49 to 50%, and you should have just run away. And because you didn't just run away from your abuser, it's half your fault. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I'm super encouraged anytime I see people in ministry and especially leadership ministry who know something about the dynamics of abuse and are willing to call it out and honestly at this point yes we are seeing some people and i want to acknowledge that that those churches and those leaders do exist but there are not enough of them by a long shot there are not enough of them we need more people who understand not only that a victim is going to blame themselves for their own abuse but the things that they need to do to combat that which is basically just somebody saying dude This was not your fault. I know it's hard for you to understand. I know that maybe your brain is telling you you had something to do with this and that you were complicit. And I won't blame like Justin's college friends for not knowing at the time, but imagine if somebody had known and been like, dude, no, your pastor told you this was your fault and he was wrong. He was completely wrong. This was not your fault. Imagine if we had people like that in the beginning, early parts of our story that can tell us what's up. And can help us to feel like, okay, maybe this wasn't something I did to myself. This wasn't something I deserved. This wasn't something I asked for. The world would be a way better place. And people would heal so much faster if we had more of those people. Because it's the secondary abuse that causes so much of what we go through. And it's the secondary abuse of people saying things like this pastor that Justin knows telling him he could never take him seriously as a victim because he had repented for his part in his sexual abuse, like just completely ridiculous, completely ridiculous. And as long as we're dealing with stuff like that, uh, focusing on healing from sexual abuse is going to be very hard because what's happening is we're being re-traumatized by these people who want to victim blame. And that re-traumatization puts our healing on hold. And in fact, it doesn't even just put it on hold. It adds new layers that we have to work through and makes the healing process so much harder. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Just know that your understanding of your own abuse is going to change over time. It's going to change. If you're right in the beginning of healing, maybe people are telling you it's not your fault and you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I just can't internalize that message yet. My brain doesn't quite believe it. But years down the road, you're you're going to understand a little bit more about why you felt the way you felt and why your experience was the way that it was. It's not like you find these perfect answers. I don't think any of us know the answer to why do evil people do horrible things to us when we don't deserve it. I don't think any of us are ever going to know the answer to that. Uh, Not in this lifetime. But we do come to an understanding of our abuse in the sense that we know, hey, I was not at fault, not even partly. Um, This was a person preying on me. And as we grow, that limited understanding of our own abuse is going to change, and we're going to become more confident in the fact that, no, this abuse was never, ever, ever my fault. Um, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and that definitely applies in healing from sexual abuse. The farther away you get from that abuse and the more that you learn, the more that those warped signals and those warped messages that our brain has believed are going to unravel and they're going to change. And you're going to start believing new messages and you're going to start believing the truth about what has happened to you. Um, And that's what I've got for you today. As always, I would love to hear what you have to say on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. You can join us there. Look up Survivor Sanctuary podcast and request to join and answer the multiple choice question. It's very simple. It asks what this podcast is about. And honestly, you really can't get this wrong if you listen to this podcast. And then I'll add you into the group and you can post and you can comment, you can ask for advice, you can give advice, whatever you wanna do just support other survivors or receive support from them. And I hope to see you on the Facebook page. I will catch you back here on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast.